Hello, and welcome everyone to Partnerships in Practice, our new integrated care podcast series focusing on partnership working and relationship building across systems. My name's David Pearson. I'm a System Transformation Advisor to NHS England, and I'm your host for today's episode. In this second episode, we're delving into the world of adult social care and the innovative solutions that system partners are using to tackle the workforce challenges facing the sector. We'll be focusing on the approaches taken by Surrey Heartlands ICS, spotlighting how collaboration between system partners is helping with the shared challenge of workforce recruitment and retention. We'll hear about how joined up approaches towards training and skills development is supporting staff to have more rewarding careers, providing better quality care to local communities. But before we get to it, let's hear from our expert panel. Hello, um, my name is Liz Bruce. I'm the Joint Exec Director across Adult Social Care and Integrated Commissioning. So I'm employed by both Surrey County Council and Surrey Heartlands ICS. And I'm a member of the corporate leadership team in the County Council and a member of the executive in the ICS. I'm Bex Pritchard. I'm Chief Exec of Surrey Care Association. Um, Surrey Care Association is a membership organisation and a not-for-profit organisation that represents around 240 providers of adult social care across Surrey. My name is Michael Pantlin. I'm Chief People and Digital Officer for the NHS Integrated Care Board for Surrey. As mentioned, there is a workforce recruitment and retention challenge within the adult social care sector. Bex, can you describe some of the issues currently facing the sector, please? It is a very complex sector, particularly somewhere like Surrey, where around 70% of people who use social care are self-funders and the remaining third of older people um, are funded through the local authority. I think also when we talk about social care, as I almost did just then, we talk about older people, we think about older people, we forget about working age adults who also need that care and support throughout their lives to really live very fulfilled, meaningful, purposeful lives and actually contribute to society. Um, I think sometimes social care is seen in a very reductive way. It's seen as keeping people clean, keeping people fed, making sure they take their medications. And it's not it's not understood properly by um, partners or even the general public um, as something that actually empowers people and adds in the social part, I think, of the wider determinants of health. In Surrey, we have around 35% and above turnover in the social care workforce. Just under a quarter, 23% are on zero hours contracts because of the way home care is commissioned. And, you know, people are on much poorer terms and conditions than statutory partners. And that disparity really gets in the way of working together. Um, and I think one of the things I, I did recognise is how complicated somewhere like Surrey is. 
So coming in new, I had to learn a whole load of language about what a CCG was, although a CCG wasn't going to exist anymore. We had ICSs, we had ICBs, we had the ICP board, you know, trying to navigate your way through that as a, as a bit of a novice was, was quite a challenge. And Surrey also has two ICSs. So the county has both Surrey Heartlands, which is where we spend a lot of our time, but also Frimley, where we've spent time with, with colleagues there. There are 11 districts and boroughs. I think because of that complexity and because of the, the gap between statutory sector workforce and the voluntary and independent sector workforce, you've got to work in partnership. It's the only way forward. With complexities facing the system, there is undeniable value that staff embedded in communities can bring to the decision-making table. Bex, you want to talk a little bit about the importance of including a range of different voices. You know, diversity of experience in an insight and, you know, a knowledge delivers much better outcomes and solutions for people. So an awful lot of time and energy has been spent over the last two years around hospital discharge. Um, when I first started, I was banging on doors saying, if you're going to discharge people effectively, you actually need to talk to the people who are providing the care and support in the community. Please, can you involve them in the services and, and the solutions? Because otherwise, you, you, you end up designing solutions that make sense to you as, a, as an acute hospital, but you don't actually think about what actually makes sense to somebody, you know, in a care home on a Friday evening without a registered manager available, you know, or, or people who are concerned about will the GP be available on, the, on a Saturday morning? Probably not. Um, and, and I think until you've got people in the room to say, this is how it works or doesn't work for us, you're going to be designing solutions and pathways and approaches that have really vital information and pieces of knowledge missing. Um, so I think one of the things that we've done as a care association is say, don't listen to us, but you need to listen to our members because ultimately they're, they're, them being in the room will really make a difference. We've all learned about the differences in the cultures of the different sectors when we've come together, you know, from the very basic thing about language. So I've been pulled up once or twice that we're using a very NHS language, which I'm not even conscious of. Um, which is but a fundamental level to things like process. So voluntary sector partners being uh, sometimes quite small as they are as Bex, the upside is they're quite agile and they're nimble and, and they go about things differently and they have a different mindset around agility and informality and connection. And you've got this larger infrastructure, like a large council of the NHS, and we're all about business cases and process and, you know, boxes that we're all told to tick and the two can be really great together if you get it right but when they initially meet one another it, you're focusing on your differences and that's what feels most stark I think um, but you, there's definitely benefit and we have felt benefit because some of the things that we've got into through the United Surrey Talent Strategy and the implementation of the programmes has actually really, really been trying to get the best of those different worlds for the benefit of our, of our staff and our residents. That's a great line, Michael. The best of both worlds for our staff and residents. 
Learning from one another to drive system change is something you're looking at in a peer review of the system, Liz. So I was asked, and I was very pleased actually, to be the executive sponsor for health and care professional leadership. And we invited in a peer review team because we wanted to say, well, okay, we went live in July as a statutory ICS. We're a new organisation. How do we work together uh, to develop leadership at all levels and distributed leadership? And how do we make sure bottom up matches top down? How do we support people to develop and learn from each other? And drive some of the change that we need and you know the nhs goes through sometimes goes through multiple restructures and changes organizational changes and if you are on the front line or in the middle or at the top that can be very destabilizing it can be quite anxious making so how do we work in a positive way as leaders we're going to get some feedback on our peer review i'm hoping this we're going to say you're doing great compared to lots of places uh, but there's loads more to do. That'll be realistic feedback. And the more loads more to do is us all having a shared vision and purpose, all of us knowing what our roles, responsibilities and accountabilities are, and then us all having some level of development around our leadership skills. I think it's really important that the culture in the NHS and in Surrey Heartlands, and I'm not picking out sorry, Heartlands, because this is in health generally. Health is a very complex organisation and it's a, a critical, urgent and emergency service often, and it's a life and limb service, isn't it? A, it's a life and death service. So you often get that control and command approach, culture, which is right in certain settings. But for leadership development, collaboration, we want to remind people about how to work in a positive way together, how to model good leadership, etc. So we're doing a lot of work like that in Surrey Heartlands. Michael, you mentioned earlier about the United Surrey Talent Strategy. Can you just explain that a little bit more? What is it? How does it work? Basically, we brought every partner in the same room, a Surrey that led on workforce. Uh, local authority, some districts and borough representation, Surrey Care Association, BCSC Alliance, NHS. Now you say NHS, but you know you're talking community, general practice, hospital representation, the full gambit. Some of whom had not worked together before. This wasn't just cross-sector introductions. Um, there was a lot of aha moments even within the NHS, and we did talk a lot about the challenges which. You know, abundantly obvious, perhaps, were the same for all of us. Um, and secondly, we talked about the creation of an integrated care system and really what's its purpose, um, and particularly things such as providing better development for local communities, you know, better economic development, better social development. So the, the full range, really. Which everyone doesn't have a problem kind of buying into that that wasn't that wasn't the issue but we did rehearse all of those things just so people could kind of get their head around where it really is the same for you and there's a lot of aha moments when people learn i felt for the first time about some of the challenges in the social care sector so 
bring having that day together was much more cathartic than I thought it was going to be for people. And then that picked up on the it's an issue about system working right, because I quite believe that you have to choose to work as a system. You can't have it forced upon you. So we felt very strongly that there are two or three principles that mean that working together is going to be essential. One was prevalence. So where everybody has the same problem. So I might say as an example of that very high cost agency staffing provision is a very big problem for everybody. Um, the second area was dependency. So I can't be successful without you. Is was probably for me that's the most important principle dependency. So for example, um, a hospital might look even within the NHS and say, well, community healthcare needs to look after people more because we're saturated with people who don't need to be in a hospital. And the community will look to the acute and go, well, you might say that, but everyone wants to work for a hospital and I can't attract nurses to work in the community. So in the community, you can have anything up to 40% vacancy factor and a hospital will run on something like 9%, you know, very different worlds. So we had community organisations saying, I need you to help me with my workforce challenge. So dependency was really important. Um, and third, scaling. So where the benefit of coming together is going to give you a bigger return than when if you try and do it on your own. So through the day, we worked through all of those things, the common areas of vision, the common areas of challenge, what our responsibilities were, where we were reliant on each other, where there was opportunity of scale. And uh, from that day, and then one or two workshops after that, we came up with six enablers, which then broadly were the framework for the strategy. Um, I won't go into them all, but a couple of examples were uh, integrating recruitment. So we were talking in the room on in that April day about candidates that were coming to each of us looking for work and we might turn one away. We might turn that person away because they're just not right for this organisation, but they're absolutely right for your neighbour and your neighbour needs them. So the integration of recruitment, uh, which we're trialling in two parts of the county, means really recruiting on behalf of everybody and being able to talent share people so that they um, are attracted to a system, they are assessed for the right organisation and they are appointed quickly and onboarded to the right organisation. Um, so the integration uh, of recruitment, which of course with digital tools available to us now, is so much easier uh, than perhaps it was in the past. Surrey County Council's Adult Social Care Directorate and Surrey Hartland's ICB jointly established a six million workforce innovation fund to act as a catalyst to improve the recruitment, retention, skills and capacity of the social care and health workforce in Surrey. Liz, would you like to explain the rationale behind this a little bit more? What we did locally in Surrey County Council and Surrey Heartlands, and Sur Surrey Heartlands drove this, was why don't we put some money in a shared pot, um, you know, together? and look at the innovation that's required for our workforce and where we've got key pinch points or vacancies or targeted areas where we really want to drive change. And let's try some stuff out, which we're doing actually. You know, so we know that there's a shortage in the provider market, for example, around complex needs. Those are people who've got really challenging behaviours 
They may not be continuing healthcare. They may have complex dual needs, people with learning disabilities, maybe with dementia or older people with early dementia. How do we support those people in the provider market? What type of skill set and roles do we need? And let's work at new ways of working. The other thing is, how do we transfer or make portable some of the roles across the system so both systems benefit? Um, and I think that's starting to develop really well. Um, and obviously there are some roles that are very specialist and very technical. You can't do that with, but there's a whole bunch of roles you can. And we're benefiting across the system together. So again, it's like great opportunity to build a new world for, we call them residents in the local authority and we call them patients in the health world. But how do we work together in a new way? Michael and Bex, you both want to come in. You have to remember that these are problems that people have been wrestling with every day for years in some cases. So it's not about a luxury project. If I had time, I'd like to do X. Um, the, you'll find that the ideas that have come forward that people are pioneering have been things that they've either wanted to do and not been able to have them raise the money to do it. Um, or something related to something they've struggled with and they recognise that investing time in the solution is more important than investing time in the problem. Um, and long shall that be the case, I think, that, that people have the opportunity to tackle these issues um, uh, in, a, in a way that we're not kind of asking them to, that they're the ones that are really driving these changes because they are they are the closest problems to their daily lives. So it's not really been a challenge. And I think where it has been uh, difficult, they of course, we've had that funding opportunity for people to say, well, actually, if I had additional support, doesn't need to be very much. Um, this is what I would put that money to. So I've got a bit of extra capacity to help me do this. But um, many of our pioneers don't have any additional funding at all because they don't need it. Um, but they do want to try and scale up their practice and share their ideas. So it's been a really, it's been a great journey. It's been very popular. I think we've had close to 60 bids. We're quite precious about quality. I was looking at some data this morning. We've only approved probably less than 40% of the bids that have come in. Very often a bid will come in and you can tell they've not really paid attention to why the fund was created because it's for money for something completely different and they've not spoken to anybody. Uh, outside of their own sector. So they are given short shrift, but uh, most of the bids are great quality and a majority of them involve more than one or two partners in the system as well. And if we don't feel that they've involved enough people <clears throat> from the right areas in the county, we often say it's OK, but actually, do you know what? We think the voluntary sector could be really beneficial to your bid here. We want you to go and come back with the voluntary sector by your side talk to us about how you're going to make a good success of this together rather than apart. So there's, the criteria are quite clear, but broadly it's about make this strategy happen with your own great ideas and we'll back you. Yeah, I think Michael's absolutely right. Our social care workforce structures project, we, we keep calling it different things, but I think one of the real challenges, as we said, is that disparity between terms and conditions and pay between statutory sectors and independent and voluntary sectors. Um, and what we have done is 
um, we went out to our members, our providers, their frontline staff, their managers. We involved the people that use their services, people with lived experience of care. And we also, through our members, got in touch with the relatives and informal unpaid carers who support people who need and use social care. And we talked to our professional stakeholder partners like Michael and, and colleagues across the local authority and local NHS um, organisations. And we have created a set of role descriptions, you know, that are future focused and are describing the, the roles that people want social care to play. And what's quite interesting is that it looks very similar to something that Skills for Care are currently consulting on um, to the end of May, which is their career pathway for social care. So we responded to that consultation to say, oh, we've already done this for you with a whole load of co-production and the voices of people with lived experience and their relatives and carers. Um, but as Michael said, we then used, we've used this with independent consultants. So they've actually evaluated those job profiles and then they have benchmarked those job profiles that have been evaluated against a whole range of local roles within the sector, within the NHS, Agenda for Change, within local authorities, within the fire service, within the police, within housing associations, within charities, within supermarkets. And then we're hoping that we will be able to use that report, which is, I think, quite evidence-based, to work with my court, but also with local authority colleagues to come up with a plan over the next three to five years of how we close that gap. It's not going to be waving a magic wand and everybody will be paid another 15 to 20 percent this time next year. We know that, but over three years, we think that gap can be closed and we think that gap needs to be closed as well. So apart from that project, we've also got um, a project that's going to be looking at the care certificate and getting that accredited so that it has a value and that people only need to do it once. At the moment, if you move jobs within social care and given that 36% turnover is happening in the social care sector and about 56% of people are coming from other care jobs and you've got 30,000 people in, in, sorry, in care, you've got thousands or at least hundreds and hundreds of people every year having to re go through you know the care certificate content with with a new employer which is a huge waste of time if we can get it accredited at appropriate levels for people at induction and more senior more skilled people as well so we're doing that because I think skills for care might be thinking about it but we can't wait you know we've, we've got the opportunity we've got the impetus so we're, we're going to get on with it We've got people in the voluntary sector who've got amazing ideas about doing recruitment and promoting social care and voluntary sector roles on TikTok. Um, and I, I kind of left a meeting to come to do the podcast um, that was with looking at how we um, deliver clinical psychology and support for care home staff, um, you know, support their reflective practice so that they've got more confidence, skills, capacity and support to work with people who are older with dementia and often behaviours that can be quite challenging to staff. Um, these are people who are sitting in hospitals really inappropriately, not being cared for and could be in much better situations, but 
staff just don't have the headspace or the support at the moment to work and, and engage with those people as well as they can. So those are sort of, sort of really tangible things that we funded. You know, we started this 1st of April 2022. So a year on, it, you know, what started off as a kind of theory and a possibility has got funding and has identified really tangible things that can actually potentially make a real difference. Liz, you've got a tangible example you wanted to share? So in the Mental Health Trust, Surrey and Borders Partnership Trust, in the beds, some of the beds, we have people with emotional personality disorder type conditions, unstable personality disorders, if you like. And uh, roughly, very roughly, they cost between £600 and £700 a night to stay in that bed. Yeah. And we know that those people, some of those people are young people and the quality of their care in a bed, in a mental health trust is not where you want to be. We want to provide them with good life, quality of life and a good accommodation setting. But we also need clinical specialist, clinical support to support those people. So one of the challenges is okay, what's missing in the provider market is they don't, the providers currently don't want to take people who are very challenging, the type of patients I'm describing. So how do we develop a new service with new roles? And those new roles might be, you know, more skilled provider support, clinical in-reach, a different accommodation setting, a different way of doing things and we'll invest some of our money from our shared pot to try that out and that's exactly what we're doing we're we're working on the hypothesis that we could take that 700 pound a night we could develop a new role we could work in a different way in a multi-professional way uh, with our workforce fund and we're trying some of that work out and there's a few examples like that when that fund will drive it and then obviously we'll need to evaluate it won't we and say yes that has worked or that hasn't or how we tweak it where we're going to invest in the future. So what are your hopes for this piece of work in a year's time? What do you want to have achieved? Well a, a, a top up of the innovation fund would be absolutely brilliant because uh, we have got to show outcomes uh, in the next 12 months that mean that our stakeholders say do you know what I was so pleased with that um, we want to reinvest uh, and, uh, yeah, and so I think that's really key because it's it's generated a lot of enthusiasm there's some great pioneering stuff going on it needs to be self-sustainable but we also want to fund new ideas uh, it is an innovation fund after all so people should not be coming back and saying thanks very much could I have another 25,000 or whatever um, they've all got the pressure to self-sustain their ideas, but we want to be able to invest in new ones. So reinvestment, I think, is critical. What it would look like is that the voluntary sector and the independent sector are automatically seen as partners to be in on the development of conversations at the earliest possible stage. There's still a little bit of a tendency to develop things and then ask us what we think about it. So actually, and, and we're moving towards that now. So I think it would be, you know, there wouldn't be any 
change around you know sort of looking at how do we improve hospital discharges how do we use the you know the you know the better care fund funding without the voluntary sector and the the independent sector voice in the room as an equal voice you know not the dominant voice but as an equal voice so I think that will be that would be what really good would look like um, and I would you know on a, on a sort of more microcosm level I would like to see a costed pathway to reduce the gap between statutory sector funding and the VCSC and independent providers who work for the local authority, who take local authority funded fee rates. Um, and that will be particularly not just in some of the older person services, but particularly for working age adults so that we have a, you know, we, we begin to reduce that gap level the playing field over the next three to five years and that there's a cost of plan to achieve that that is index linked and finally liz can you bring us to a close with one of your key takeaways well one key takeaway for me is that i would like to see young clever fresh thinking and energy come into the public sector i would like health and care to be attractive to people in the future. And my key message to people listening is come and join us. We want a diverse workforce. We want talent. We want young, fresh energy. And we need it actually for the future. And actually, if you're young, you need it for the, your future health and care world that you're going to live in. So it's very important indeed we get the best people into the sector. We've heard about a fantastic example. We know that up and down the country, when people join together in common cause, determined to make a difference, just how much that can improve things and services in local communities. Well, that's it. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you to our expert panel, Bex Pritchard, Michael Pantlin and Liz Bruce. Thank you for your time and invaluable insight. We hope you've enjoyed listening. I'm David Pearson, and this has been Partnerships in Practice, an integrated care podcast from NHS England.